talk of a political dirt unit. It is typical of this government that uh, a dirt unit should be operating on me by someone in a ministerial suite in the Howard government. Embarrassing facts uh, or factoids or stories uh, on the coalition and uh, the fact is, uh, as I've said to Margie and the kids, we're going to see a lot more dirt. Welcome back to the Dirt Unit. I do apologise for the break. I know I said I'd do this every two weeks and it's been over a month, but, you know, been busy. But I make up for it because this one goes for almost two hours. So it's like two in one. Actually, three in one because we're covering off three topics. Continuing our journey, exploring the origins of all this conspiracy theory bullshit that has culminated around COVID and Trump and everything. Um, we're, we're covering off three different avenues today by looking at the three stones. Roger Stone, Sasha Stone, and Sean Stone. Not related. Who are they, you might ask? Well... You'll find out. So this is a chat with Daniel Morrison. You can read his writing on uh, on Medium under Hamilton Hume. He's done uh, done a lot of work um, looking into sort of this this kind of stuff. And uh, you guys, I hear him every now and then on the Conditional Release Program, another great podcast that you should listen to if you don't already. This conversation went for uh, a long time. I've trimmed a, I've trimmed it down a lot. Um, finally got some free time to get it done today. Found myself this morning on a three-day Facebook ban for some reason. So uh, I thought probably a good opportunity to just turn off social media, finish editing this monster of a podcast... Uh, and get it out there. And on that note, you should probably subscribe to this podcast on as many platforms as you have uh, because I don't trust that the Facebook page will be around forever. And if I do just disappear, like our friend Daniel Morrison here did uh, on Twitter for uh, not disclosed reasons, you know, this will always be there and will keep coming out even if it does take a little bit of time. My sincerest apologies because I am pretty much yelling throughout this entire conversation. But what you have to realize is I was recording it in a shed and it was pissing down with rain. And so for me to even hear myself on my open back headphones, I had to be really loud. But there's a very good noise filter running on the uh, conversation. <laughs> So you can't hear any of the rain. You can just hear me trying to talk over it. So I apologize for that. But I've tried to compress the hell out of the audio so that it brings the um, volume levels down to something tolerable. So, yeah, I don't think it's that bad. But you can tell that I'm still stretching my voice a bit. But anyway, enjoy. Um, yeah, Roger Stone's probably a good one to start with. Because he's the one who sort of, he makes the most sense, you know? Like, you can look at him yeah. and... Like like his trajectory is very clear. He doesn't really try to hide very much. Um, what you see is what you get, and and and, and what you see is this vile, shameless manipulator um, yeah. who is just <laughs> like 
has no scruples about doing anything. He just gets uh, right into cause whatever chaos he needs. Um, so, what briefly his background? He's been a, a political operative basically his whole life. He met his uh, partner Paul Manafort in uh, the seventies, I believe. They started a lobbying firm um, uh, where they would basically use this big bag of dirty tricks to get politicians elected to to put them into office, and then once they were in office, um, then they would charge people for access to them. So they were just, you know, making money at both ends. Um, oh, yeah. And it just so, eradicated. Like when Trump threat. talks about draining the swamp, like the thing people have to understand is like they, <laughs> Roger Stone and Paul Manafort created the swamp. Get exactly. And, and and they're literally the, um, the you know, the, um, well, Paul Manafort was the chairman of his campaign uh, for, for a few minutes yeah. um, before Steve Bannon came along. Um, anyway, so, you know, they've always just been the, these fucking shitheads, you know, like who just deliberately wrote stuff. He was there in 2000 um, when um, Bush essentially stole the presidency by by um, delaying counting votes in Florida. I think it was, it was the Brooks Brothers riot, which I don't know um, enough detail about to go into specifically, but there were basically there were people like banging down the doors of the counters, which sort of stopped that from happening, which then meant that Florida didn't go through to the Supreme Court and then basically Bush won the election. So, you know, he... There are reports that sort of he tries to overstate his his role in that, um, which could be true. But either way, you know, he's, he's around there in that time. Um, he then sort of has some falling outs with um, some of the more uh, traditional characters in the Republican Party. Uh, his lifestyle, I think, is a bit more liberal and he has a few sex scams or something. So he has a swinger, sort of isn't he? A little bit, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty he sure he's like, up. I'm pretty sure that's not like a, I'm pretty sure that's like a, a loud and proud admission of his. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, he got he got sort of sidelined somehow for a while and then he sort of developed this grudge against the Republican establishment. Um, so he tried, you know, a few times to sort of try and unsettle them. He had this, um, what was his Libertarian Party called? The Can you remember? Didn't even the, know he had a Libertarian Party, but that's interesting. Like the, it, it, it was a third thing and he, uh, he, he actually got Trump to run uh in in one of the elections um but obviously right. it didn't go very far um uh but trump had always been uh, a client of this because they didn't just sell these um these pr lobbying services to um uh to politicians uh it was also to to business people because they need the same yeah. thing as well uh, and I'll, so also trump just just working. add in um roger stone and paul manafort were the and uh and their initial part lee atwater who was like sort of the senior of the of the three, but he died in the early nineties. They were the inspiration for Linton Crosby and, and Mark Texter to get into um, campaigning and 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 what eventually became the CT group. So there you go. Their, their legacy is something that will stay in humanity yes. for uh, generations, if not indefinitely. Like it's impossible to calculate the damage that they've done um, to our cultural fabric. It's just it's just absolutely devastating. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's in in the US and and uh, affiliated countries alone. I mean, <laughs> poor Very Ukraine right. and the Very damage right. that Paul Manafort that's has done to that place. Um, Robert Evans did a fantastic deep dive, uh, as he always does, uh, into Paul Manafort on Behind the Bastards. Have you ever listened to that one? I haven't, no. It's uh, it's uh, it, the the series is excellent, and that 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 series of episodes is um is a fantastic example of them. But yeah, I think it's called. However bad you think Paul Manafort is, he's much much worse. Um, <laughs> the the short version is he he basically um personally extended those wars uh for profit. 
to 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 line his own pockets. It's just it's just absolutely disgusting. Um, he did go to jail. But uh, he, go, yeah. he was let out of jail in uh, in during COVID because he was too frail to stay in there apparently, and then Trump pardoned him. So no corruption though. No, no corruption, no corruption <laughs> at all. Draining the swamp. <laughs> speaks to the power of this machine that his supporters can look at that and not go fucking what? Like it's just that because the mainstream naked. media is just lying. And trying to make you think the good guys are the bad guys. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> I really think that's just one of the one of the best examples of, of, of the power of this whole thing. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, so Roger Stone, uh, you know, he, he knew Trump from before, um, and uh, basically began um, trying to look at, at you know how he could use him to disrupt the political scene. Um, so he kind of he ran a little bit. No, he didn't. 2016 wasn't his first run at the presidency, but it was, you know, his 2012 he, he ran, I believe, yeah. But, yeah, for like a week or something maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he made it very far. Um, anyway, along comes his candidacy. Um, and, you know, Roger Stone is he's obviously too much of a wild card to have officially, you know, on your payroll, um, but he can definitely work uh, behind the scenes as a special advisor, which is what he does best. Um, and that's what he was doing here. Uh, so, you know, I... I've written a lot about this, obviously, um, in, in the articles about uh, Roger Stone's role in the 2016 uh, campaign um, and his connections to WikiLeaks uh, and how that played into uh, Pizza Skate scandal through FBI and on um, and all this sort of stuff. It's very difficult to pin any of that to any particular person. Uh, what I can say is it does have Roger Stone's fingerprints all over it. Um, including his name popping up uh, in connection to these leaks around the Podestas and WikiLeaks and all that sort of stuff. Um, do we know Do we know what the connection is with WikiLeaks there or just that, it, that he had a connection? Because I know there's well, like he's mentioned ones- that he had a connection and whatever, but... Okay, so Russians hacked the emails um, of John Podesta and then they gave them to WikiLeaks um, because they said this will mean more coming from you. It's not going to be much for us. Um, Roger Stone apparently had a back channel to WikiLeaks, which he's boasted of and which I believe has been um, demonstrated in court or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So as for what's known, yeah, like that's pretty much common knowledge as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah, he, he knew. So they strategically timed the release of these things to, to have maximum impact. They released them on the day of the Access Hollywood tape, which was where yeah. Trump was bragging about grabbing women by the pussy. Um, so, you know, on the day that that came out, instead of the headline being this shocking tape of Trump comes out, it was shocking tape of Trump comes out, you know, sh- shocking tape of Trump comes out. And uh, this other thing happened as well, the emails of Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. So it just sort of, takes the wind out of the sails, like literally it sort of dilutes it and, and creates enough of a distraction for that not to be the campaign ender that it should have been. Um, but also there's Trump's unorthodoxy. Um, it comes into that. And it, uh, uh, yeah, I reckon he would have, well. I reckon he would have got through that with or without the, the email, whether well, he, he would have won with or without the emails, who knows, but I think he would have um, gotten through the tapes scandal. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but that was, Largely, apparently, um, due in, uh, probably mostly to um, to Steve Bannon, who basically said, "Just go in there and just keep on going. Just keep like, mm-hmm. like everyone else is like, oh shit, we're done. Pack it up." 
Steve Bannon was apparently, according to Steve Bannon, so, you know, take yeah. that with a grain of salt. But he was one who basically said, just go in there and just head up, charge forward, and, and, and you go through it. And sure enough, that's, that's exactly what happened. Um, so, yeah, Roger Stone, since then, one of the, well, during then, one of the main things he did was to recognise the value of the conspiracy world. Um, and so he deliberately and explicitly um, exploited Alex Jones and uh, his audience on InfoWars. This was covered really well by a PBS documentary called United States of Conspiracy, I think, which is surprisingly difficult to track down due to because their website doesn't let you have it because you're not in America and then YouTube doesn't let you have it because you... Uh, not in America or something, I don't know. Well, no, I think YouTube took it down. Anyway, um, it's like a proper good 40, 50 minute look at the whole way. Like it's got InfraWars staff talking about how Roger Stone would come in um, and uh, yeah, just start, you know, using this platform to see these narratives with um, pro-Trump propaganda. Uh, obviously, Jones was all in himself uh, because they represent the political ideology or Trump represented the political ideology that he wanted. So he was happy to, um, you know, help however he could. Um, and that has sort of laid the groundwork for all of the mess that we've seen. So when we talk about the, the whole freedom movement, a lot of that sort of starts in 2020. Um, but obviously it has its roots in 2015 and 2016 with Roger Stone going on to Alex Jones's Infowars, um, to start exploiting the conspiracy community and making them think that Trump was the guy who was going to save them from this conspiracy that they've been uh, so worried about for so long. Yeah, um, and then also with InfoWars, something I find um, interesting, a lesser explored um, avenue is, um, what's his name? Luke Rendowski, who started wearechange.org, who, which was right. like a, a split off from InfoWars. He was part of InfoWars and, and then he started sort of like his own Thing I, I think it was part of the Infowars like sphere, but it was his yeah. own show um, called We Are Change, and then that, and then and that was like that was super sus on how it was. So I think we spoke about it um, on the last yeah, podcast we did say. with McKenna, where uh, that was sort of launched by this guy jumping on stage during the Super Bowl medal presentation. And grabbing right. the microphone and saying 9-11 was an inside job and promoting um, wearechange.org and then running off. You right. can't find that clip anywhere nowadays. <laughs> you can barely find a fucking mention of it. But um, but yeah, that's how it was it was launched. And uh and then and then I guess I think it was like 2019, um, where We Are Change Melbourne was started, or maybe even earlier than that. Um and it's got this whole worldwide network and that's like Jeff O'Toole, which is like where the whole kids in tunnels conspiracy shit came from during lockdown. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, he's speaking at all these lockdown protests alongside, you know, these other like influences that we saw all the time. Um, yeah. yeah really which is just an, another yeah. weird Infowars um, connection there. Yeah. You mentioned networks, and, and and I think that's a really important um, concept to keep in mind. It, it, is that that is the point of this it is to create these uh, networks. There's yeah. one I, I found one recently called One Great Network. Have you, have you seen that? No. I'll send it through. Where'd my chat thing go? Chat. Um, it's basically this. Uh, it's the same sort of thing. Um, 
Well, it's just this right. uh, yeah, collection okay. of creators. This looks uh, professional. It does a bit, doesn't it? To be subject to such hey, never mind that guy. Shut up. International law. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, dozens of these people who, who create this content and all you have to do is then seed a few of these narratives and then they do the job of propagating it on their own YouTube channels, their own Telegram channels, their own, you know, everything. So it's just... Yep. And that... Creating this whole movement. Leads us, um, allegiance to Sasha Stone because that's been his role. Yeah, exactly. In- you would expect to see Sasha Stone on here, except maybe he's like a little bit too big for this, you know. These, like these one great network people are sort of a little bit more um, ragtag independent. I'm looking um, on the website here, but I don't see. Oh yeah, here we go. Here's people. Oh yeah, he looks like he'd fit right in. Yeah, exactly. It's just just all these dickheads with sacred geometry in the background. Um, so you can imagine. Um, don't you think? Like, like I know. Like uh, I, I know a lot of hippies, and I think of all the people I know, and even the ones that like you know, hold workshops and stuff to do with, like, spirituality and stuff like that. They don't look like any of these people, even though you can tell that that's what these these people's things are on this website. They all look fucking fake to me. Like, they all look sus. (laughs) There is a certain fakeness to it, yeah. Although, you know, a few of them could have passed for some of my hippie circles in in, in the past. Um, But, yeah, I know what you mean. There's something there. And so, as you say, now we come to um, Sasha fucking Stone. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why why he's important is, like you said, yeah. with the with the networks. Is is he? I came across him because he seemed to be the person that um, that networked initially. That a few of these sort of key influences networked with at the start of the pandemic, and he had this um, university thing i think it was in the new earth university or something well, he's got the new earth network which is hard to figure out what the fuck that is well i think it's all this same thing all new earth university awakening. and they released this covid 19 white paper i think in like may 2020 and it, and it basically was uh, i know like you've written about um mega 3x and you, yeah. I know you. You had that document. Who knows if it's the real one or not? But it seems legit. Basically, yes. you know, outlining sort of what talking points to focus on when spreading these messages about Trump or, you know, Hillary Clinton or whatever. It was basically that, but a bit more elaborate. But about COVID, that was passed on to all these influencers in different countries that then went on to use all these talking points. Yeah. and talk about in their live streams and with their like local networks and get everyone on like a a single message and armed with the facts you know so they can they can argue points and stuff because they've got this this uh instruction manual on on basically like how to do it yeah and that seems like real sus to me but it could could be a hippie could 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 just be you know, could just be a legit hippie dude who lives in Bali with this fucking weird university and, and whatever. But, you know, looking into him more, you realise that he was also very aligned with the QAnon thing. Yeah. With his, uh, tri- what is it, International Tribunal of Natural Justice. Okay. So, yeah, one of the biggest puzzles for me is trying to work out 
what the fuck is this guy's deal? Like, where is he coming from? And 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 what is what is going on with this cunt? Because it's just he's just very strong, you know. In like like in his whole presentation, his whole um, thing, it's just it's it's very full on. Um, so briefly speaking, uh, his wife. He comes from um, Southern Africa, uh, Rhodesia, Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, uh, I think he was in South Africa a bit as well. And, uh, you know, I think that as a, um, it's likely that he probably experienced the perils of progressivism when, you know, growing up as a white man in South Africa, he, he had to flee eventually. And uh, he was a refugee in England. Um, and then, uh, you know, started dabbling with his rock music um and that seems to have been about it so he's always had this sort of spiritualish vibe um just with this hardcore um conservative politics i mean this is where conservative politics get interesting right and and, and where they get confusing because you know you look at him and it's it's not what you'd expect right like he wears you mm. know these deep Deep V-chested linen vests and beads and you know long necklaces. And- he's basically looks like that David Avocado Wolf guy who I know he works he works with. Yeah, get, yeah. Get onto that, but yeah. And it's a very it's a very recurring theme throughout this whole thing. Um, and you know what you mentioned before about how the, that that Mega Three X um, strategy document. You know they all this this COVID white paper that goes out and then they all have these talking points. It's like. It's like we're seeing these waves washing up on a shore and, and we're trying to work out this invisible speedboat that's out on the lake in the middle, you know? Yeah, so that's the one that's making all these yeah. waves. And, 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 like, we're watching them come out going, the, 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 these waves aren't being caused by the fucking moon or the wind. Like, there is, there's a boat out there, but that boat is just very good at concealing itself and it's almost impossible to see anyway. Um, so, you know, our challenge is really fucking hard. Um, but when it comes to this, it seems like there is a, um, a deliberate attempt, um, to exploit this community, uh, of the spiritual new age type, um, for a particular political agenda. Um, that then leads to all sorts of interesting questions about how, um, how deceptive do they think that they're being, you know, like, are they deliberately lying? Do they believe this stuff? Um, are they telling what they think are white lies to advance what they believe to be a noble cause, um, which I think would probably explain a lot of it. But when it comes to someone like Sasha Stone, so you, you've got this eternal question of, of who is being manipulated and who is doing the manipulating. Now, it's never going to be as clear as we like because the um, you know the legacy of manipulation goes back um, for generations. Like this stuff has just been out there for so long. You know, the John Birch Society, before the John Birch Society, they've been laying all of this toxic groundwork to manipulate people before they even um come out the womb in some cases um but when it comes to people like uh sasha stone and um uh robert david Steele, who um created the international tribunal for natural justice which i mean th- there are just obvious lies in there like this whole thing about uh, oh, yeah. the democratic um child trafficking cabal like that's just an outright lie you and know? if you if you listen if you want like you listen, want, to listen to Sasha Stone talk listen to an interview of his <clears throat> for like you know five minutes and it's I think it's very obvious that he's like he, just the word the language he uses and the and the way that he says things like he's being deceptive 
you know, like, it's like and, and, and he's tech, like he's he's selling technology, like 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 that USB thing that you mentioned before, as yeah. well as um, all this other shit. So one thing I can pretty much guarantee is that he has seen Thrive um, by uh, Foster um, Gamble, um, and that that has been a formative influence um, in his life. I think he's really he's emblematic of this whole cultural movement thing um which you know it's certainly he's definitely not the only one he's one of the biggest but he's definitely not the only um so when it comes to thinking about you know how it's happened we can step back but like if we can start with the full conspiracy right which is this um because maybe that's a good place to start from and then sort of work back towards something that's more realistic um so we've got the the, the veteran intelligence professionals of sanity uh, right which is people like um uh, Robert David Steele, um, uh, Michael, well, just whatever you want to call them, even if it's not this group. Um, yeah, Bill Binney's and there's, oh, I can't remember the names now, they're all in my articles. We basically got this group of um, ex-intelligence, uh, ex-military people who want to elect Trump, right? So they sort of get together and they start thinking about how to uh, how to do this. They also have um, ties to Russia, Um by which I mean that a lot of their policy positions are curiously pro-Russian. Um, so, you know, whether they are in communication with them or they just happen to be bigger fans of Russia than they are of America for whatever reason, uh, we don't know. That's the, um, that's the thing that gets me the most about all this shit. All these people that are really, like, seem to be aligned with Russia, it's like, do you really, like, prefer that? Yeah, it's a, like- <laughs> it's a good genetic marker, if nothing else. Like, it lets you know where that person is getting their information and their narratives from, you know? Like, like yeah, but start. think about, like, that But like that person, if they're representing Russia, like, do they really, do they really think, like, this will be better? <laughs> Life will be better if I, if I, um, if I allow this to happen or... or yeah, or, well, it's interesting. Because, like- I mean, Sa- Sasha Stone is one of the most explicit... Um, uh, well, mo- one of the most explicitly pro-Russian voices in this whole thing. Like listening to some of his stuff from 2019, he was talking about how Putin is this mega genius and how he's really like he's ecstatic that he's there. He's definitely working with Trump and they're definitely together and they're definitely doing good things. Um, so it leads to that question of are, like, are they doing that genuinely or are they being paid somehow? Like yeah. it seems yeah. crass, but is there like is there a briefcase full of money there or is there something a little bit more complex? And it's almost certainly something more complex. Um, but there is also, you know, almost certainly a briefcase of money somewhere along the line as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that is then used to organically influence people um, the, the way that they do. So part of the strategy for electing this, um, uh, you know, someone as as wildly unqualified as Trump um, is, is an unprecedentedly vast um, digital manipulation campaign um, that involves targeting all these demographics and um, the spiritual community is obviously a big part of that. Now, the spiritual community had been primed before this. Um, there are lots of things to uh, examine here, but one of the points is that the New Age scene has always had a certain vulnerability or susceptibility to uh, fascistic ideas. Oh, yeah. Like, the Nazi say. infiltration into that whole thing is it goes way, way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Nazis, like like a lot of the highest ranking Nazis were big on that. Um, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of their, a lot of their ideas share the same intellectual architecture, 
if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. like they like, you know, this, this idea of a new age, a new world. Also. And that's like probably he, one of the most important ideas. It's Pope. the same predisposition as like your evangelicals and whatever, where they're, they're yeah. pre, predisposed yeah. to believe in something that there might not be any evidence, but have that that faith that it that it works, whether it's God or it's crystals, you know, it's it's the same predisposition to then believe other stuff on top of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that one of the most important um, phrases that they have, I mean, it, it's more than a phrase, it, it's a whole idea, but it's this thing of the great awakening. Like, mm. like that's, that's what it's all about. Humanity is on the verge of this, you know, consciousness-changing ascension. Um and that's that's an intoxicating idea. Like you know, when you watch a video of someone talking about how they're going to sh- uh, you know help in raising humanity's consciousness so that they can you know awaken the world and 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 save save the planet and you know take us uh, through to the next realm of galactic you know wonderment or whatever. That's an intensely seductive and intoxicating idea. It's extremely powerful, and I think that that is one of the um, you know underlying. Um, drivers uh, of this whole thing and obviously we see that explicitly referenced in the QAnon mythology of uh, the Great Awakening like that's sort of what QAnon is um, that's a, that, again is that term just appeals to, to your spiritual types and your religious types in the same yes. like this in the same way it's just like a, that is just like a, yeah. just that saying alone is just has this mass that's appeal what that's what it is and that's what gives us a big indication that um, QAnon is coming from the same place as these people, right? It's it's coming from that new age, this this new age world of this whole, um, you know, a great awakening, consciousness raising, um, you know, waking people up to the sinister cabal. Okay, so then the cabal obviously becomes another key part of it. And obviously, Sasha Stone didn't invent the idea of a cabal. It's been around for a long time. But that is also one of his um, driving animators is, is this idea of a, um, a, a sinister cabal. He calls them, what does he call them? Sabbateans. Some, some yeah. Um, Sa- yeah, Sabbateans. Sabbateans, um, that's the one. And it's like, fucking whatever, mate. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, so this, this evil cabal of blood drinking. Like, what? It's just- when he talks about it and he talks about people in power and stuff like that. He refers to, he, he, he always says, you know, I know these people. You know, I worked with these people. I know these people. I know what they're like. And Luciferian. Yeah, they're Luciferian, obviously. <laughs> like, but you're new age, so, like, why does that even fucking matter? But, um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's like, it's just like, like I said, the you lines between. You, you knew them. Evangelical Christian and New Age hippies start to fucking blur when you get um, when you get f- further further toward the fringe. But uh, exactly. yeah, uh, it's it's just like it's, he's not convincing at all to me. But he obviously has a way about how he talks, like a, like a cult leader, and yeah. leans on his experience of uh, having a father who was in the Rhodesian government on behalf of the of the british to uh to lend himself credibility but he doesn't explain that that's the link there he just talks about how he's worked with politicians been around him his whole his whole life and whatever yeah i don't know much about his father but speaking of his work with politicians have you looked at the humanitad thing that he does no um 
So this is his, his big, like, life's project, right? And you read through the copy that they've got on their mission and their about, and it's just a whole lot of waffle. Well, if I can, I'll read some to you now. Yeah, Humanitad is dedicated to inspiring tolerance and goodwill between people of all nations and faiths. It is committed to ushering in a new era of truth, transparency, and right-mindedness whilst inspiring growth in the spiritual framework within which we function as a species. Humanitad is about people and the intelligent inquiry into the diverse elements which unite us all as people, diversities which nourish our imagination and sense of fellowship and do not lead to conflict, which in turn leads to enclosures and false divisions. Fellowship is the natural human condition, but we are all too easily led and driven to mindsets of conflict and contrariness. Such seeds are invariably planted in a collective by the few, and the few are those who are invariably led by appetites for power, profit, and pleasure. Um, so that goes on for about 10 more of those paragraphs. And if you can tell me what the fuck that actually means, pragmatically, yeah, in terms of what they do, then great. But it's got it the, the picture, I think, um, you got one. You got nine people, uh, six black or five black guys, a black girl, and Sasha Stone, and some other random dude, uh, some other random two white dudes next to him. And then he's got, um, uh, I just take that as sort of uh, implying that picture with the words used that it's all about inclusiveness and diversity uh, in terms of, you know, race. Um, but well, I don't think yeah. that's what he means when he's saying it, but I think that picture is supposed to tie that together and give that impression. And this is it. This is it. But what's more interesting is when you click on the history, okay, because that doesn't tell you anything about who they are, what they do, and you click on history and think, okay, maybe we can know where this comes from. It doesn't tell you anything about what it comes from, but what it does have is a whole lot of photos with him with politicians yeah. from all over the world. United so Nations Security Council. United Nations Security Council. Another United Nations thing. Um, in the Royal Palace uh, in Indonesia, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Uh, he's there with all of these world leaders, you know, um, someone from Indonesia, someone from Libya, the Kingdom of Lesotho, uh, some, some Indian ambassador, Mongolia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Colombia, Jordan. So, you know, for however much bullshit he spins, he, he's been around. He's been at least in photos with a lot of these, um, you know, I mean, I don't know how powerful, maybe these people are just sort of random ambassadors here and there, but he's he's getting in there. Yeah, but so he's, the going is, to these, he's going to these events that, uh, that enable him to have the photo opportunity, you know. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's more connected than I am, at least. Yeah, um, exactly. Here is, you know, the, the Zimbabwean Minister for Health, for example, or the Croatian ambassador. And yeah, so it's been, it's been an interesting story. And what's also interesting is there is very little that's been written about him. You know, like I had to, um, when I was trying to find out things about him, the, the, nothing comes up in the first few pages of Google, except for all, you know, this stuff that's, you know, written in praise of him. Um, there's very little looking at his actual life, apart from that. Um, uh, well, have you that. looked at his um, his real name? No, no. What's so he's got. Name? So so I'll I'll add a bit to his backstory for you, a bit of context. Um, so I'm guessing the the story that you um, gave them for his backstory is kind of like his words, yeah, or or, or like written about uh, Sasha well, Stone rather than about. Right. Um, him or whatever his name, John, 
something atoms that's the uh the the the, the big overview picture yeah um he, he was born in southern africa he did leave um presumably without a particularly um uh favorable view of the way that white people were being treated uh and he did become a, a refugee and then he was a musician in england for a while and then took up this whole activism mission so his real name is simon jean paul sasha adams okay and just doing a quick search for him now he's got a he's an artist from london apparently um he's got a company registered in london Simon John Paul Sasha Adams is an artist from London. The person was born May 1966. Um, yeah. Just got a company of one and a shareholder value of negative 150,000 pounds. What are you looking at here? A business registry. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Mm, related people there as well, which is uh, interesting from Singapore, Netherlands. United States. Um, but anyway, so so Rhodesia was like a white minority um, African state. I'll tell you what, let's read. Let's, I'm going to read a bit about Rhodesia because it's, I think it's important to his story because his dad was in charge of the country on behalf of the, of the British, in charge of like the occupation. Um, so that's the environment that that he grew up in is like the son of one of the head British occupiers in a minority white Southern African government. Um, there's a lot more sort of to say there that, that I don't um, have enough of a grasp on to just, you know, shoot off the hip about, but there is a big underground um, fascist movement that has been going on since those days that, is very influential and continues on to this day just through you know his family connections it would be very plausible that he would have links with this underground network which coincidentally is where cambridge who cambridge analytica was working for before they um scl elections um working on behalf of these these uh old money dictators and the continuation of them in africa um and then and then more recently eric prince and his company uh frontier services was contracting for these people after and during his time in the uae no shit um there's a book that I that I um, recently finished, and I and I, I messaged you when I finished it, and I was like, "Dude, you got to you got to check out this book. It's called Very Bad People, and right. it's yeah. ba- it, yeah. it's basically about this um this network, and they finish it. It's but it's it's from uh, it's the guy who um who runs this uh, organization called Global Witness, and they're the organization that brought down the Khmer Rouge, um went over to Thailand and, and basically was able to prove that they're being funded by illegal logging and they're selling it into Thailand and, uh, and busted that whole thing wide open. Um, blood diamonds, we know the, the, the term blood diamonds. 
that was that was the work of Global Witness, who exposed that these same regimes in Africa were were then getting their funding from um, blood diamonds and the um, the practice how they were obtaining them. They exposed all, all that. This organization has been fighting these people in Africa for years, and this books by him, and they basically go through their different sort of big campaigns that they've that they've run. Um, but then at the end, they they basically he basically says, um, you know, there's a there's a network here, um, you know, it's all oil money, um, you know, it's all it's all to do with fighting over resources. But you know, some of the some of the links to America and these people is like you know, people like companies like Exxon Mobil, Rex Tillerson, who was Trump's. Uh, like the resources manager, the environment manager, or something like that. Secretary of State. He was a Secretary of State, was he? Okay, so yeah, Rex Tillerson. Uh, he he's there's actually a passage in the book where the guy recalls a, a heated exchange with Rex Tillerson in one of these African countries. I think it was maybe Uganda or or uh, um, Nigeria. But yeah, there's there's these these links between Africa and then these same shady figures that seem to have involvement in all the Trump stuff and beyond um, seems to have come out of, out of Africa. There's, there's an out of Africa theory for you. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So that, so like, so Rhodesia. Well, it sort of makes sense, right? Like it's one of the, you know, those those frontiers of. Um, oh yeah, and then the even uh, you know, going back to Belgium, going into the Congo, like that's sort of where where this whole white supremacy thing, uh, you know, really caught fire. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly it. But that's also where it sort of fell apart. Um, yeah, way, you know, with, with the anti-apartheid thing. So that's you know where where they'll be likely to come from. So. Um, Rhodesia was an unrecognized state in Southern Africa from 1965 to 1975. Um, it's what is now called Zimbabwe is the territory that it um, that it occupied. It was a de facto successor state successor state to the British colony of Southern Rhodesia, which had been self governing since achieving responsible government in 1923. Bordered by South Africa, Botswana, Zambia. Which and Mozambique. Um, it's one of the two independent states in the African continent governed by a white minority of European descent and culture, the other being South Africa. Um, so if we go to, they had this like. Uh, started wanting their country back. What's that? Then those uppity blacks started wanting their country back. Yeah, I know. How dare they? Dare they not just bow down to a bunch of random foreigners that came in and decided that where you live was part of a country of theirs? And those foreigners have held that grudge ever since. Yeah. <laughs> From why won't they get over it? <laughs> I wonder. So they have this like united unilateral declaration of independence, which was like a a sham. The years following the, the declaration saw an unfolding series of economic, military and political pressures placed on the country that eventually brought about majority rule, a totality of these factors rather than any one, the reason for introducing change. Uh, 
The UDI further hardened the white population's attitudes towards majority rule and relations with the UK. A significant majority of white Rhodesian residents were either British immigrants or of British ancestry. Many held a special affection for the British Empire. However, the UK's refusal to grant them independence on their terms further confirmed their opposition to a political settlement on British terms and fed their negative attitude towards British interference in Rhodesian politics at large. Uh, in the years prior to the declaration, white Rhodesians increasingly saw themselves as belligerent and threatened. I don't know if that's belligerent. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> perpetually insecure and undermined by the Metropole, unable to rely on anybody but themselves. The policy of no independence before majority rule transformed the whole community's relationship with the UK and increased its suspicions of the British government's untrustworthiness and duplicity in colonial affairs, especially since the latter had adopted in uh, IBMR as formal policy. The very circumstance UDI was carried out to avoid and which white Rhodesians had struggled to resist since the onset of decolonizations. Just cutting in here you know, from the editing chair because I wanted to elaborate more uh, on exactly who this guy's dad is. Perfectly aware that I sound like Karen Brewer, but there's probably a bit more here with this guy. So, Sasha Stone's father, who's your daddy, is Sir Walter Adams. Walter Adams, born in Brighton, England, in 1906. He um, was an academic and worked for the Academic Assistance Council. He was the General Secretary of the Academic Assistance Council, but he eventually became... School secretary, whatever that is. In 1939, he was drafted into the Political Intelligence Department of the Foreign Office. In 1941, he took up the post of Deputy Head of the British Political Warfare Mission to the United States, based in Washington. Then in 1945, he went back to Britain. Uh, so after the war, I guess, went back to Britain. And he was uh, Assistant Deputy Director General of the Political Intelligence Department. So it kind of, it kind of uh, gets a bit murky here. So the Political Intelligence Department was a department of the British Foreign Office um, during World War II. And there was one in World War I as well, and then it closed. And it opened again in World War II. Um, its main function was the production of weekly intelligence summaries. In April 1943, the department was merged with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Foreign Research and Press Service in Oxford, creating the new Foreign Office Research Department. So, in 1943, it ceased to exist, or what, what was the Political Intelligence Department was merged with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Foreign Research and Press Service, and became the new Foreign Office Research Department. But the Political Intelligence Department name continued to exist until 1946 as a cover for the Political Warfare Executive. Okay? So that's interesting, right? So he joined it in 1945. The Political Intelligence Department didn't exist in 1945. It was just a cover for the Political Warfare Executive. So what's the Political Warfare Executive? Well... 
During World War II, the political warfare executive was a British clandestine body created to produce and disseminate both white and black propaganda with the aim of damaging enemy morale and sustaining the morale of countries occupied or allied with Nazi Germany. Activities included distributing covert propaganda ranging from broadcasts to loudspeaker operations to lower morale and encourage desertion, leaflet drops and underground publications in occupied countries, running rumour campaigns and creating forgeries, amongst others. In order to deliver its subversive messages, it also disseminated information on events in Germany and the occupied countries, gathering intelligence from other services and agencies and newspapers obtained from occupied countries and bombing raid photo analysis. Some of their activities were considered controversial, such as impersonating deceased German soldiers and sending food parcels to their families with pacifist messages on their behalf. Later, Sefton Delma, who ran, uh, who ran a British black propaganda radio station during the war, quipped that although families' hopes to see their loved ones were false, the, the ham was real. <laughs> So that's pretty fucking interesting, isn't it? So in 1946, he joined the Inter-University Council for Higher Education Overseas as secretary. And he was closely involved with the establishment of universities across the Commonwealth. Then, uh, then in 1955, he became the principal of the University College of Rhodesia. Is it fair to say that this guy may very well have been the one in charge of keeping the uh, minority ruling regime in favour? There seems to be a lot of uh, hysteria about the use of uh, infiltrating universities as uh, some kind of like long game warfare tactic and, you know, the switch throw thing. Something sort of left field like that, that that all these uh, neocon types like to talk about. Uh, generally, generally is a projection. But anyway, back to the conversation. It seems like uh, you know the reason why he was a refugee from Rhodesia is because he was his family was that British colonial aspect of Rhodesia that even the white um, Rhodesians were turning against by the end, which is an interesting lens to view him through considering the narratives that sort of he's pushing and the other people who that aligns with. The political agenda he ultimately um, fights for. Exactly. I feel like having that context for myself, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense still, but, you know, it makes more sense than him just being a random hippie that, that lives in Bali. There's... um. Someone who he reminds me of, very sort of similar, similar character in a similar space doing similar things. She doesn't come from Africa, but Lisa Clapier. She could be him. And Have they had any, any overlap? Not that I've seen. No, but she keeps her head quite low. Well, at least she has since, um, since 2017-ish. Um, <clears throat> the last time she was really sort of visible was at Standing Rock, really. Yep. Um, but since then, you know, she's obviously um, had a key role in this whole movement. And if they haven't met, then I'd be very surprised. Um, but I think that they're certainly working for for the exact same agenda 
um, in pretty much the exact same way. She is targeting the same demographics that he has uh, with a lot of the same aesthetic um, that he uses uh, with the same narratives uh, for the same purpose. They're basically doing the exact same thing. Um, and yeah, it's just interesting to think about the extent to, to which that's coordinated. Um, well, there's so, another you know, I sort of another interesting woman he's connected with. Um, I'm just I'll find that. Um, another interesting person that appeared did like a testimony at at his International Tribunal of Natural Justice was someone called Fiona Barnett. Is that right? Fiona Barnett has a few weird connections um, around this sort of like you know your your aunt your underlying QAnon stuff like um, like she's got connections with that Isaac Nappy. Oh yeah, and then for Isaac Nappy, the uh, basically came out to Australia and stayed with Fiona Barnett for like two weeks, and then went back to the US and, and killed himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a up individual, unfortunately. Yes, uh, and she was uh, overdoing, testifying in the International Tribunal for Natural Justice. What's interesting about, <clears throat> for or I mean, what raises further questions, I guess, about all that is uh, the fact that she, you know, twenty fifteen was sort of her when she appeared. And and her story was all out there. And then 2018, she's over in Bali um, with Sasha Stone doing a. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit distracted while I'm talking here. I'm looking for uh, there's a video there's a video of her testimony. I'm trying to find it so I can play it. My name is Fiona Barnett. I was born Fiona Ray Holozak, or it's pronounced Holocek in Polish on the 28th of October, 1969, in Sydney, Australia. I'm a victim of child trafficking through the CIA, Luciferian ritual abuse, and Project MKUltra. Child trafficking is run as a single integrated. The Australian wing of this child trafficking operation is coordinated by ASIO, which is the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation. It's the Australian equivalent of the CIA. During the 1970s and 80s, Labor Party politician Kim Beasley Sr. headed ASIO's child trafficking operation. Under Kim Beasley's administration, I was prostituted at age six years to a pedophile orgy at Parliament House in Canberra, where I was raped by then Prime Minister Gough Whitlam, Attorney General Lionel Murphy and Governor General John Kerr. During the same excursion, future Prime Minister Bob Hawke raped me in a suburban backyard near Canberra and former President Richard Nixon raped me in the back of a USA CIA military plane at Australia's main military airport, the one where Air Force One lands if it visits Australia. After this, I was child sex trafficked from Sydney Airport to California, USA in a cargo plane. I was gassed and stuffed in a wooden crate like an animal. During this trip, I was raped by media founder Ted Turner at a pedophile party held at Disneyland, and I was trafficked to the annual summer camp at Bohemian Grove, attended by notable politicians, businessmen, and other VIPs. I was raped by Reverend Billy Graham in a pink bubble-themed cabin at Bohemian Grove. 
Billy Graham told me that his good buddy Richard Nixon had recommended me to him. At Bohemian Grove, I was one of a group of children dressed as teddy bears and hunted for sport by men in the forest to the theme song, Teddy Bears Picnic. I also witnessed the ritual murder of a woman by male guests dressed in black Luciferian robes. But so, so this Fiona Barnett character is where the 28, the names of the 28 pedophiles that, um, you know, these, yeah. these uh, pedo hunting freedom fighters are always talking about comes from from her yeah well i mean this is, this is another part of the network isn't it? that's that's just the way that this um machine operates is that anyone can come in from anywhere um you know tap in tap out whatever uh and and take these narratives uh and and, and then go and to spread them that's why i think that um that i the 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 at metaphor of a of a virus i think is a really um helpful way of looking at it um because when it comes to you know who, who who is these ideas are a virus yeah so ricardo bosi and fiona barnett um they're all able to sort of go through this bio lab uh and take these narratives and then spread them out and then all these other people become infected and then they keep on going on to spread it and that's what basically creates movement you know it goes all the way down to all these other um freedom movement influences yeah so you know it it's tempting it's it's easy to sort of think of it and like I said, I think this might be like a, a kind of helpful uh, place to start in that um, groups like Cambridge Analytica or the John Birch Society or, or whatever you want to call it, they go and they tap people like um, Sasha Stone or Lisa Clapier uh, on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, we'll give you $100,000 a year if you say these things for us while wearing these clothes um, and, and do this whole thing. Uh, that's that's sort of the nice simplistic conspiratorial way of of looking at it, um, and then at and, the end of and, the day, and we know that did happen. You know, we know that happened with the vaccines. Yeah, Russians yeah, were going yeah. around oh. hitting up influencers, saying like, "We'll we'll pay you x amount of money if you just if you just talk about how the Pfizer vaccine shit and, and you want this other one instead or whatever." That yeah. is, that is. I wasn't even thinking about that one. But yes, it's important to remember that this is not this is not just a fantasy. But yeah. what I was going to say in, in, in this situation, you know, as nice as it is to think that, you know, then they, they turn the camera off and they take their mask off and they go home and they just relax. Um, I, I I don't think that's what's actually happening here. I think that there is, um, uh, you know, a pretty strong element of sincerity in their beliefs. I think that they do have to be thinking that they are um, on that on that righteous crusade of theirs. Um, uh, but that's why the idea of a virus is so helpful as well because that's that's a really helpful way um to look at it uh because they have been infected with this virus you know so that then compels them to go on and, and spread this content themselves so whether cambridge analytica or john birch society or whatever infected them with this virus which i think is probably what's happened um they are now well they have now become you know these uh, uh vectors and these propagators um of this virus and 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 that's the problem so being deliberately tapped yes no it, it, it it's hard to say but that's that's sort of how it works so obviously obviously there's there's that then you've got your like michael flynn's and your you sort of people that really like know better you know and they so i mean even you could probably call it like, even Stone, one of these had people. to have been infected with the virus at some point you know so he well, he was, was well. He was, you know, he was visiting um, Russian intelligence headquarters in like 2013. 
he was the one who was overseeing the NSA when Edward Snowden hacked into a department that wasn't even his, that he shouldn't have had access to, and obtained the stuff that he leaked. And that was that was the same week that he was over meeting Russian intelligence at their headquarters in Russia. So, like, I mean, yeah, maybe he was seated with ideas, but, you know, when you're seated with ideas in Russia at their intelligence agency's headquarters, you should probably know better when you're, um, you know, a high-up director of, of intelligence uh, for their nemesis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, I mean, his story is obviously interesting. So he got um, he got fired, basically, and no one likes getting fired. And uh, it's easy to believe that the person who did you wrong is is involved in some bad shit, right? So when he gets fired um, from his position, he, he starts, it's, it's easy for him to start thinking that the Democratic establishment, um, who was the Obama administration at the time, uh, who hired him and then fired him, um, the, but he, you know, but it's worth pointing out that he was still he was still like he was fired because he his allegiance was questioned. So like yeah. him going over and meeting at a GRU headquarters, like that was he was he was he had a job then and a very important one. Uh, it was only after that that he was fired. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. I I um maybe I'm fuzzier on the timeline than I thought. Um, but he um. Either way, at some point he he became disaffected. Um, you know, it's just this whole it's this whole anti uh, anti woke anti progressive um, crusade that, that that they're on. They see they see any concession to any um, ideas of progressivism as utterly intolerable. Yeah. And Russia is the only place where that's not tolerated at all. They just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, he finds them to be his ideological allies, um, and so that's where he comes. And so then you know. It's the thing is, this is just such a broad tapestry of, of, um, of you know, the overlapping stories and whatnot. Because at some point, you know, the possibility of, of a Trump presidency comes onto the table and that serves the interest of, of lots of people. And so lots yeah. of people are, are happy to contribute um, either through collaboration or, or otherwise um, to make that happen. Um, and that's why, you know, what we can't deny is that a lot of people do support him uh, also support Russia. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's just and and, and well, I mean, if you look at uh, the whistleblower from Cambridge Analytica talking about the only um, they were basically um, running um, I don't know if you call them experiments, but like you know, trials of of basically how to um, bring out authoritarian personality traits in people. And then also um, how to how to make people think favorably about about Vladimir Putin, and he actually says um, Chris Wiley that the the only leader that he ever saw Cambridge Analytica doing tests like that um, on was Vladimir Putin, which is just weird. Interesting, <laughs> it's very interesting. And then there's the uh, Luke Oil. Um, connections of basically, basically Luke Oil came and posed as a potential client for Cambridge Analytica, and they basically gave him a lot of insight into what they do and how they worked before they closed the deal. And then Luke Oil, Luke Oil is a oil com- Russian oil company, but it's a front for Russian intelligence, and they basically didn't didn't take the deal, but 
got shown a lot of how this stuff works um, back in, I would have been about 2012, 2013, which is interesting. And then this is the same time as, is, I don't know if you remember this, but I certainly remember this. I guess it's when the serious stuff was going on and Putin, um, I mean, he was looking quite favourable, like even to me, because he was calling out the US for, for things in what seemed like a very reasonable intelligent way and i remember people sharing clips of putin at like um like i guess like un leader conferences and whatever just just making sort of these little like sort of comments on the us doing dodgy shit and basically playing into like the conspiracy narratives but um i was i was not privy to it at the time and i was just thinking like this guy this guy is just it's just a beat up all this negative stuff about putin yeah he seems he mm. seems all right and and now looking through this lens of what I know now about what they were doing behind the scenes, you know, that was obviously a very calculated thing that he would say and a very calculated viral video that was spread. And it's this accumulation of all these little things like that over the years, over like the last decade, that's led to all these people that that are certain that it's they've made up their mind that Putin is a good is a good guy and and a good leader and uh, and they're being deceived when people are saying otherwise. Was this about um, Bashar al-Assad using chemical weapons in Syria? Might have, might have been, but um, I, I can't yeah, remember exactly. Sort of incident, which um, you know, it was like a, a bit of a watershed moment. Um, in, that was Russia that did that, yeah. I, I could be able to get into it now, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but, I mean, I've just, uh, I, I've never really looked into it, but I've, but I've, I've heard it. Being it's one of those things where there's just there's so much information and disinformation, and you look at this, and then that debunks that, and then there's this, and then that was a lie, but then that was it's just it's one of those things which is so layered. But it was definitely an incident which was exploited by this machine uh, for those um, yeah these purposes. That well, if you look at um, a lot of so something I've stumbled on recently is like your whole left wing side of the sort of disinformation posing as news. So there is a left side of of this whole bullshit. It's basically the anti-war left, right? At the top of it, you've got Greenwald and Taibbi. Yeah. You've got like websites like The Grey Zone and uh, a few other ones. Um, that Max Blumenthal guy, yeah. um, his website that he's got. I don't know. They're all sus, but these guys basically um, are the ones that from the left that push the whole uh, mother investigation was a sham and that there's no Russian um, ties there and Pretty basically awesome. throws shade on, on anything they're sticking up for the russians in this conflict yeah. and basically it all stems from well this one guy whose whose main thing is is uh, has been the mother report since it came out has been just like discrediting that and making sure that people think it's a, it was a, a a sham yeah he got his start reporting on the chemical weapons thing in syria his name's aaron matty and uh there was basically like a, a an, an official report that came out, but they were like stalled by two days by the Russians from actually getting in there to report on the attacks and everything was sort of cleaned up. And then this report was like, oh, no, it's a false flag. It didn't really happen or whatever. And he clings to that report. And there's so much conflicting information out there that, that proves his common thesis to be bullshit. But he's managed to get this sort of information bubble around him to the point where he can say things like, 
the Mueller investigation found absolutely no Russian collusion and chemical weapons attack in Syria was a beat up. It didn't really happen and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and he was recently interviewed on Russell Brand's show by Russell Brand talking yeah. about why NATO is at fault for the Ukraine invasion and how it needs yeah, to be yeah. dismantled. Yeah. So that little trio there, or, you know, how big you want to call that team, that's a surprisingly important factor. Oh, yeah. In- I never caught on to these guys until, like, very recently. Yeah, it's it, it it it's honestly huge. Like that's that's actually it might only be a little, but it's a tectonic shift because yeah, you know if you're doing a long sea voyage, uh, the, um, then only one degree of difference can land you in a whole other place. Yeah, the, the, these these people talking about Russia there um, really did um, will have set off what leads to a major rift in people like Russell Brand, for example, who then consider Glenn Greenwald to be um, a, a source. Now, I just, I, I, I said, before you mentioned the word um, or the name Aaron Mate, I sent you a, um, a link to a video um, of him. Uh, well, sorry, no, it's a video of a Russian in Moscow um, saying how shocked he was to see Kremlin talking points coming out of Aaron uh-huh. Mate. That's interesting, in- yeah. I'll play it. Um, I'll play it. I'll, I'll pop it in in, in post. We'll have a listen. Um, yeah. And we see, uh, yeah, we see lots of this. So Glenn Greenwald is, is you know, the, the top shelf example. Um, and in simplest terms, the, the, the point of that was to discredit the idea of Russian influence on the left. Like that's just very simply the top line thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it worked because this is, this is like your... So you know um, Media Roots Radio, well. Robbie Robbie Martin, Abby Martin. I think you put me onto them, didn't you? Yeah, because I, yeah. I listen to their their podcast. I, I have for a long time. I trust them that they're not um, agents. Yeah, you know disinformation people, but that is their circle. Their broader circle is this this anti war left. Because something else I didn't realize is is that Syria and Russia have a huge interest in Palestine remaining there as a point of contention with Israel. So right. that's where Abby Martin comes into it because she's a big advocate for Palestine. So by default, you know, she's she's interviewed on the grey zone and these kind of things all the time. And just yeah. through being in this bubble, I'm pretty sure the reason why um, he seems very interested when I talk to him until I, you know, he, he gets to read my stuff, which mentions a lot of these Russian points of finger squarely at Russia for a lot of things. And I think it turns him off because he's automatically um, predisposed to uh, thinking that he's all over the the Mueller report, and you're you're an idiot for thinking Russia has anything to do with any of this stuff. I mean, obviously, also his sister was a host on RT. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Um, so you know, going back to that, that question before of how planned and conspiratorial was this? You know, like did did Russia just give these guys a briefcase full of money um, to to start spreading the narratives? And uh, I don't know, like it doesn't it doesn't seem that plausible to me you know like it's just it's i don't think that's how it could actually work surely but you know maybe it is um or maybe it's it's more complicated and it is more of a um a a narrative influence um you know where they yeah. have been organically manipulated more organically somehow. well here's an interesting tidbit um glenn greenwald so there's like a wikileaks um Drop from like 2012, which uh, I think is the Stratfor files, and that contains details of a 
planned by Palantir to target two people, Julian Assange and Glenn Greenwald. Because at the time, Glenn Greenwald was was a legitimate investigative journalist and exposing presumably stuff that Palantir had a, had a hand in. And obviously, WikiLeaks was doing something similar. Um, from that point onwards, you have Assange's whole, you know, whole ordeal. And then Greenwald just like kind of goes quiet for a little bit. All of a sudden, he's, he is handed the Snowden leaks and he breaks that story. And then he's in Brazil, which, which, Bolsonaro's whole engine of bullshit behind him is comes from this same place. He worked with Cambridge Analytica. I don't know any more than that information, but it's uh, it's certainly something to take to take into consideration. What was it? Sorry, the, the, there was a leak. About- so there was a plan. There was a plan by Palantir to target two individuals: Julian Assange and Glenn Greenwald. Because they were speaking a bit too much truth to power. Yeah, I think they were because they were sort of looking into into Palantir or, or you know, um, right. compromising, you know, perhaps some things that they were up to. And since then, Assange and Greenwald have become political allies with, well, essentially political allies with Palantir. Yeah, I think Assange a bit more, um, seems Assange maybe a bit more manipulated into it through his situation, but Greenwald, Definitely well, seems Assange had his sucks. own reasons for, for, for disliking um, Hillary. Yeah. And, and like he was eager to, to derail her campaign, certainly. Um, but then, yeah. you know, WikiLeaks also, like, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of Assange, but it is weird I, that WikiLeaks doesn't leak anything from Russia, especially was. considering, like, you know, the, what's going on in the world at the moment. You'd think you'd, they'd have some stuff to drop about Russia. Instead, they're just like rehashing um, dirt on like the royals and the CIA. Yeah, they've just become another instrument of this uh, of this machine. Yeah, um, but but I mean, Greenwater's at the point now where he he's interviewing um, or he he's bigging up this Alex Jones documentary. You see that? I did. Yeah, didn't they? Didn't he like record like a a uh an interview with the director yeah so it's this documentary right. which yep. has come out I, I think it's called alex's war that's right yeah um, he did yeah which is it's basically a puff piece about him um designed specifically designed to rehabil- rehabilitate his reputation um almost certainly comes from i want to say teal money but there was some um the director, I think, no, worked- it was there was links to to Peter Thiel. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. The director did did something in the past. Um, anyway, and there's Greenwald at the at, at the opening, giving her you know this the, this loving interview about such a, such a great film. Um, so you know, the any pretenses of subtlety have been dropped long ago. Um, yeah. But the problem is that now now they're being interviewed by people like Russell Brand, um, and, and you know Russell Brand has been quoting Greenwald in in, in his oh, videos for, for ages. But- yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, that's, that's the way this machine works. That's the way this machine works. There's the invisible speedboats out there and it's just creating all of these waves um, that you're visibly washing up. And it's just very hard to sort of work out exactly what's going on, but obviously it's, uh, it's big and it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say, you, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, that the boat that's, that's creating the waves. I think I have a idea of what that boat is of like because there's a there, there's clearly like so you look at like 
you look at uh, all this different stuff in like different countries. Yeah, and there's sort of central points in each country that it comes from and what it looks like. Um, it looks like like the Russians, for example, are piggybacking off the conservatives. You know, and it's and, and it's it's not um it doesn't look like they're they're working with them. But then when you look at like all the different campaigns and how it just sort of like happens every fucking time, you know, yeah. it raises questions. And there is a central point, and there is a central point where all the figurehead we're we're all sort of like these shadowy um connecting points for all these different local groups sort of meet and then that same sort of place is a sort of connecting point for like these same international groups and i won't go into much more detail here because it warrants its own thing and i want to i want to explore all these different avenues before i before i like say sort of anything for sure but does look like there is a common place where they where they come from. Russia. Well, yeah, I mean, not even just Russia. A transnational, intergenerational, a, a decentralized transnational, intergenerational network of um, conservative capitalists and theocratic fascists, basically. Well, yeah, and there's a common place where they where they do their networking, and it's called the National Prayer Breakfast, and they've got one in every fucking country. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> like, like, like whether they've heard of that or been to that or heard of it or not, like anyone can still push their shoulder to this wheel, you know? Like anyone oh, yeah. can push because that's that's well, yeah, because that, well that's where the grift the grift comes in and it's and it's oh, and fucking the brilliant. Is yes. You know, yes. and then you get scared every fucking grifter like fucking guru, you know. <laughs> it's just like an opportunist. So I don't even know. Actually, I feel bad calling him a grifter because I don't know if he's ever grifted any money. Um, but you know. We just gets off on that on that feeling of leading this crusade. So you know, early on we talked about this thing toxic, like like the idea of leading humanity towards this great awakening is an intoxicating idea. Um, so is the idea of fighting these bad guys. You know, there's this cabal, but you and I, we can take it down because we're stronger and we're you know we can stand up. Um, uh, you know, that's that's an intoxicating idea. Which reminds me of another another element that I noticed in um, the Sasha Stone. Um, a lot of his language is just is very much like you know about you know these pin dicked guys and you got to have the big balls to stand up and uh, you know be a yeah, fucking yeah. man. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying when I'm saying like he's he's like a cult like he's very manipulative. Like I've noticed that too. He says that very much. He very says much. in in the early. So I guess I haven't actually said this yet, but like so he so early in the pandemic, so he spoke he networked with three sort of different seeds of the Australian sort of version of this. So he networked with Pete Evans. Thanos Paniatis and Ricardo Bosi. Right at the start at, well, well, he had this um reclaim the 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 line. Reclaim something. Um and it was basically like I don't know, it's basically well, this is where the influencers got all these talking points from this white paper that his university had had done up. But it was, was like, this, like a call or it was like this group call with like 50 yeah. odd people um, yeah. who all sort of presumably went on to be influencers in their respective countries. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, he, he sort of checks in with them and, and they do further interviews with these people, you know, throughout the, the time, the, the next couple of years. Um, 
But, you know, watching these early interviews with the Australians, he's saying, the language he's using is saying like, um, you know, I don't know what it is with Australians, but you guys have some like predisposition to just, to just, um, you know, rolling over and, uh, and, and just bowing down to tyranny, you know, and he's using the word tyranny and treason. And, <laughs> and he keeps saying, things like, this is treason. Look up the definition in the dictionary. This is treason. If you go look up the dictionary definition of treason, actually technically what he's trying to do is treason and it is not treason what he's claiming that um, the leaders are doing. By definition, actually leaders can't commit treason. Um, <laughs> but no one no one follows his advice and looks it up in the dictionary. Um, but, yeah, uh, he... he Cult leader ab- language. Absolutely is... is um, playing up pulling these psychological strings of like you know you guys are all you're all you're all weak you're not weak are you you'll you'll stand up yeah. because no one else will it's it, it, it's frustrating to to notice how shallow a lot of it is as well because oh, he yeah. says like things like um you know we vaccines don't work we know those that work and anyone with a with a brain and a pulse knows that they don't work yeah and he doesn't have like there's nothing beyond <laughs> like, that what? Anyone with okay. a pulse knows that they don't work it's like what are you talking about? So I'm pretty sure I have never got polio. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean that that then leads to the question of like how um you know how how calculated is this? Like and like, you know, have have they tested all these things and do they know, you know, that this is you can just get away with this. You just get up there and you say well, it loudly and it doesn't they take analysis to know that, but it's still I think it's um, been tested on um Eastern Europe. I think like Estonia Belarus, Ukraine, you know, Russia's been doing this there f- for years. Active measures. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can look up, um, there's a talk called uh, How to Lose the Information War um, by Ni- Nina Simone. No, not Nina Simone. Uh, Nina, K- K- someone. Yeah. She was later on hired to be the head of that um, Ministry of Disinformation or whatever that Biden tried to. Um, start, which was like trolled by like these right wingers straight away, and and was dissolved and just crumpled. <laughs> it's like no. ridiculous. But um, but she she did this talk. Um, she did a talk for the Australian Institute, the Australian Institute, I think it was, and uh, and it, and it just outlines these Russian operations that have been going on for years, and it's exactly the same fucking thing. Did you ever see the, the Active Measures documentary? Yeah, I think I did. I think uh, you would have sent that to me, didn't you? Yeah, I did watch it. And uh, it features Hillary Clinton, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like how is it not more like, you know, more in the zeitgeist in like America? you got these like very influential figures in it. Well, you know how the guy, one of the guys behind that, the guy called Jack Bryan, um, and he has been one of the key voices in trying to shine light on these networks behind QAnon, um, uh, including uh, the Vice, the Vice series, um, whatever they were called. Um, and you probably won't be surprised to learn that they and he were um, extensively panned by the Q watching community of QAnon Anonymous oh, yeah. and Mike okay. Rothschild. Okay. And all the rest. Um, Listen to an so, interview with Mike Rothschild yesterday. Questions to ask about that. How, how, how did he go? I, I'm pretty sure that he didn't tell anyone to start looking at um, Michael Flynn or Thomas Schoenberg. Oh, he explicitly told people not to. Exactly. Yeah, um, interesting. 
what the fuck is going on, Michael? And that's, that's you know, a really interesting and, and potentially key part of all this. Because, um, you know, this has been one of my biggest battles over the last two years is dealing with him and people like him um, who do everything they can to direct the conversation away from that. So, you know, it's, it's weird because it's like he sounds really reasonable. Uh, of course, he until does. That's that. His, that's the point. Well, even even through that, for a lot of people, for most people, for almost everyone, well, yeah. it still sounds like through that. And so then they don't look. And then they make people like myself and other people who look into who's actually behind this um, feel and look crazy. Um, so conspiracy hat on. If you are an agency uh, who is running this kind of an operation, um, then obviously, you know, you want to make as many people believe it as you can, but there are going to be people who don't believe it. And part of your job is going to be controlling the way that the people who don't believe it mm. look at it. Um, and, the, you know, there's the question of whether that is what's happening here. It's what's called controlled opposition. And again, mm. it raises to the question of, uh, you know, is, is it just as, as simple and straight up as a briefcase full of cash? Um, or is it a more um, organic uh, thing? You know, is is, yeah. is is he lying or is he just really bad at his job? Because he's been presented the evidence and he's openly bragged about refusing to look at it. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So interesting that he used to, before he got into the QAnon stuff, he used to write for Skeptoid. He, he would write basically like listicles about conspiracies for, for internet fluff pieces, like, oh, these are the top 10 JFK conspiracies or whatever. Like, it was, right. the, the idea that he's supposed to be an authority in this is, is, is nonsense. He basically, he started writing about it before most people, um, uh, and, and that, that's about it. That's as far as the qualifications go. Um, and now he's written a book about it, which, as you correctly point out, um, actively um, steers people away from considering the operational aspect. Um, and I sort of like I reference it a little bit in, in in my latest article because it's a it's an important piece of the puzzle. Um, the way that the conversation has been controlled um, by uh, him and the the guys in the Q and Anonymous podcast, for example, um, and it's been probably the most maddening part of the experience for me. Like in you know over the course of the past two years, I, I've spoken to a lot of people who believe Q and and I've engaged with them a lot. Um, and you know, managed to to change some minds and turn some people around. The uh, the most frustrating part, and the part which seems almost more detached from reality, is um is dealing with these these people who are supposed to be authorities who are paid good money. Like um you know, they, the Kuron Anonymous were making eighty eight thousand dollars a month at one point. Whoa! Um, just off Patreon. And then they're also selling merch and they're also now they're doing tours and they're, you know, they're, they're selling gigs and all this stuff. We missed um, a trick. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's Maybe just we should speak to Matthew Guy. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, but they, they, they deliberately avoid any of this. Not only do they avoid it, they go out of their way to disparage it. Yeah. And I've got screenshots and I've got clips and I've got evidence and everything in uh, in my latest article about the disinformation factory. Um, and again, it raises the question, you know, are they are they um, doing it deliberately or are they just really bad at their jobs? And, you know, it's it's very hard to say, um, but the negligence um, is, it's, you know, pretty much undeniable because this thing is still going now, you know, yeah. all these years later, it's, it's still it's still rock and rolling and they, and they, you know, they just... The podcast. They're, they're still profiting off it. They are literally oh, yeah. profiting. Well, he's just about to release another book, I'm pretty sure, about something else. And he was talking about um, 
writing some book about the Rothschilds at the moment coming up. So he's gonna he's gonna continue to see money rolling in from uh, from becoming an authority. Looking at Mike Rothschild, I, I I can't imagine him actually being you know a deliberate lying agent like that. It just doesn't it doesn't smell right to me. Um, but the idea that someone could just be so um, blindly and dismissively arrogant um, also just doesn't seem right as well. Yeah, it's so, weird. It's like it, it doesn't it add is. up. All right. So the third stone is Sean. Sure. None of these people are related, by the way, for anyone listening that might get confused. None of these people are related. Now, They're not even really related in a professional sense, like no. above the surface at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they definitely all, all play key roles in the sort of bigger picture. Yeah. Now, so Sean Stone, I guess to start to look at him, you have to look at you have to look at his dad. His dad's Oliver Stone, who's an Oscar-winning director, whose films include Born JFK. on the Fourth of July, World Trade Center, JFK, Snowden, um, and the W film about George W. Bush, Wall Street, Wall Street. Uh, a bunch of others, but uh, perhaps most controversially is he released a four-part documentary called The Putin Interviews in 2017 where he basically was embedded with Vladimir Putin for four years. Uh, it was described uh, by the Daily Beast as a wildly irresponsible love letter to Russia's president. It says as much about Oliver Stone as it does Vladimir Putin, said CNN. Flattery, but little scepticism, said the New York Times. He was quoted um, when referring to it as saying he takes cyber warfare very seriously. But what I find, like, super interesting that needs uh, exploration about this guy's um, closeness with Putin over those four years was that after this, his son, Sean Stone, went and started working on RT and got got his own um, show. And he was big in the conspiracy culture, and he um, was basically working for Natural News. He was the one pushing, like, conspiracies around Monsanto and genetically modified foods and all that shit around, like, before pre-2016. It looks left-wing. Like, it talks about, you know, big agriculture and organic foods and stuff, but it's it's just info wars with a different background. Well, yeah, and Mike Adams, the guy who runs the website, is like a mad Trumper. Um, But he's sort of like his partner throughout that whole time was um, Dean Ryan, who was the guy who was the central place for this influencer, Australian influencer guru and uh, and this Canadian guy, Pat King, who were both working for Dean Ryan on his uh, internet show before they both left and went and sparked these convoys to their capital cities in their respective countries. On the week of the 2016 election, he released two things. He released a documentary on RT called like something like What Happened to Progressive America, or, or maybe it was the tagline and it had a different um, title, but it was basically a documentary that was like talking about the decay of America and basically pinning it on these progressive policies by, like, the Obama regime. And then he also, that same week, released a book 
called The New World Order, A Strategy of Imperialism. And I haven't read the book, but I've read the, the blurb and I've read people talk, I've listened to people talking about the book. I've listened to him talking about the book. And it is basically QAnon, but a prequel. There you go. He then has released a follow-up book, which I heard him promoting on Steve Bannon's show uh, a month or two ago, which is basically like the continuation. So the post-QAnon, what's still happening, you know, behind the scenes type thing from, um, from the way I read it. It's all about pedophilia and human trafficking and the elites and a cabal of bringing in a new world order. And, you know, I found uh, a podcast of him and Dean Ryan in 2015 just talking about conspiracies. And they basically just lay out the whole QAnon narrative, which is just this conglomeration. It's basically Sean Stone forming a coherent narrative out of every conspiracy theory that's ever had legs in the year be- in the years before the whole QAnon stuff unfolded. That sort of leads nicely into, we, we actually have uh, a, a video clip of him. Um, That's right, yeah. Whether, whether it was a Freudian slip or not, um, to making these Q-drops. The Corporation of the United States is defunct. It's, we talked about the only way forward is to return to the Republic. And I think that it's going to be very confusing for people. The one thing I really have to intuitively think is that what has to happen is that the reason that we've done these Q drops and Trump has been in office, that the reason that we've done these Q drops and Trump, that the reason that we've done these Q drops, that the reason that we've done these Q drops and Trump has been in office and all these things were brought in really by a patriotic faction. It's always been Trump, I, you know, he was between us and the deep state in a sense, right? He was the actor that was appointed or anointed to take on the deep state as the public figurehead. You know, obviously you, you can't put too much on that. I don't know how many, like how much longer we want to keep on making excuses for to dismiss this stuff, but you know, you can't, you can't rest an entire case on that. Um, but it's something which is certainly consistent with this idea that, you know, QAnon is something which is, it's a product of this factory and all these people are still, they're, they're all, you know, working with the factory in, in, in one way or another. I wonder who um, he was talking about when he said we. Him, Lisa Klapier, um, Robert David Steele, Thomas Schoenberger. Right. Okay. Probably Sasha Stone too. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, the professionals at Psy Group. Um, Mike Flynn probably dropped in for a couple of meetings. Uh, Roger Stone would have been aware of it. Um, Steve Bannon would have been emailed. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my summation. I mean, considering he's a, like a, you know, semi-regular on... Um, War in pandemic, and then also, you know, has his own show on RT. It's not, a, wouldn't yeah. be a stretch. He was a regular guest on Infowars. You know, he, he yeah. worked for Natural News. It's it, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. They're all just pushing this narrative, the idea that there is this cabal of elites who are trying to take over the world. Um, and w- what it is really, when you take the mask off, is it's just an attack on progressivism. That's the, the that's the whole that's the whole point. So people feel threatened um, by the challenge to their power that progressivism presents. Um, and so they fight that by calling anything part of this uh, evil conspiracy. Um, so, yeah, Sean Stone's been doing this for, for a long time. Interestingly, he converted to Islam at, at, at one point. The whole yeah, his whole thing has been about this. I mean, it's, it's basically the exact same script that Sasha Stone is reading from. You know, this idea 
of there being um, this criminal cabal of elites uh, and his job on this earth is to awaken humanity to their evil plots and to lead the the, the counter-revolution um and and that's what he's been doing so he's in he, he's in you know right in the middle of this whole network of cube promoters um alongside such stone and alongside robert david steel and you know i just i've lost count of how many screenshots they've got of like all these different heads that just all pop up with with each other talking about all the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again um you know before 2020 it was 5g and it was um um God, there's another one in there as well obviously all this uh satanic pedophile stuff uh and then once and, 2020 and comes- also like um oh no that sean stone was talking about vaccines as well <clears throat> and it's interesting in that conversation from 2015 with dean ryan they're basically saying the exact same shit that they say about mrna vaccines except it's yeah. it's not mrna vaccines it was like yeah, some different kind, which was like a new vaccine from then. But they're saying the exact same things about it. Yeah, they don't need to modify much. No, <laughs> no. Well, it's like five. The five G stuff is just like a, a rehashing of the four G stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just it, it's really interesting to hear you say that that you heard him talking about this stuff in in, in 2015 because. I mean, as we all know, these narratives didn't come out of nowhere. Um, they, they were well established. Um, but the idea that it was just some uh, random anonymous person on um, who was hanging out on 8, 8chan um, rather than these people who have been saying this exact stuff for many years in many cases. Yeah, um, sort of caught me very much by surprise um, when, once I'd caught on to um, these, the seeds of the convoys coming through Dean Ryan, and then he yeah, was Sasha Stone's former partner in conspiracy bullshit. Um, that was just very much like, oh, wow, because they seemed completely opposite. Yeah, they were aligned under the banner of their conspiracies, but, like, they seemed to come from different places. But then, you know, when we just, just keep digging, it's like, okay, well, it's the same fucking group of people. Also linked with um, Sasha Stone, you've got, like, David Icke and Max Egan and these conspiracy cult leaders um, from different countries, which if you want to go back to the start of conspiracies around COVID, I mean, David Icke was was the doorway for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, doing his whole thing with that London Real show where they got booted from YouTube and so they crowdfunded for their own server and got like $4 million people watching this like live ridiculously long conversation with David Icke and this this former um junkie Canadian dude. It's weird. Another weird connection with Dean Ryan and the convoy and this Pat King, this Canadian guy who started the convoy over there, is that he was a member of Yellow Vests Canada, which is this same network that Arvi and Morgan Jonas are a part of through their them being a part of Yellow Vests Australia, which is this whole the movement, this far right, uh, Bannon's fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and from what I can tell, I think that you're the only person who, who's actually, um, you know, noticed this and written anything about it. Oh yeah, and I've tried to get people to pay. Like Americans are fucking useless, mate. Like they don't, they do not want to 
they don't want to hear any of this stuff from someone who's not an American because they think they know better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I, uh, to be fair to them, have any Australian journalists paid any attention either? Well, no, but like say like someone like me who might hear these people talking about things that I have more information on to give to them, they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, it seems yeah, like and it's like it's like you can't see it because you're in it. But it would really help to have an international perspective on this because you can cross-reference things and you can see if things line up and things don't. And okay, so these person's doing this thing here and they're doing the same thing here, and they're both connected with this organization. Well, that will tell you that, okay, well, there's a there's a starting place to look for more things. Like it would be very beneficial, but they don't uh uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. That's a problem. They just don't. And that's why that was sort of, you know, the intention that I started all, all of this with. Um, and I was happy to see it, it, it came it came to fruition with um, with uh, Jules Evans guy who wrote those articles about Sasha Stone. Mm. Um, he he got, you know, he started on that journey. Uh, he says partly because of um, one of my original articles, yeah, which started looking that. at those sorts of connections. Um, and that that was sort of why I wrote it. I didn't write it to be like the, a closing word or anything. It was supposed to be like opening, like like showing these paths to people who can then go on and bring their own experience and their expertise and their skills um, to the matter. Um, so then they can start writing about it as well. And then doing so that th- those Sasha Stone articles really like the the best case scenario for me, it, having written my ones because that's exactly what was supposed to happen. Uh, yeah. Was that people were supposed to bring their own knowledge to expound upon them um that's exactly and, what that was exactly what the point of what with the stuff that i wrote like exactly it was just exactly. there to just no put it all down because i saw things were starting to be deleted and this stuff was starting to be erased so if someone in the future wanted to look into it it wouldn't be that's there where that's a good place for them to start and that's, yeah. that's that's excellent and i just that's just the most challenging thing uh in in this moment is that no one's no one's listening no one's yeah, no one's exactly. like literally no one's even fucking it's just and so you know at a stage we just don't know don't know what to do but yeah the, the challenge is that you know like I, I i think we can pretty confidently lay out the networks who, who are at work here both with the narratives and with their own connections and with their career histories and um you know with all of the specific stories that they're telling with the specific language that they're using as well mm. um and you know draw all those connections to um this disinformation factory that has produced you know QAnon is just one of the things that they've produced it's oh, it's yeah. not like that's that like that's the only that's the only thing it had a huge effect but they've been doing you know countless other things you know, All what's these interesting, other uh, something projects. I've noticed recently is these conservative type, like, like these conservatives that, um, that you know, have been have been playing into these same narratives. So, the Australian example would be Matt Canavan, who you know is a regular speaker at like CPAC and yeah. uh, really like pro coal, um, pushing the narrative that uh, the negative press around fracking uh, is Russian disinformation. Oh really? Yeah, that and I think that's a really butter. interesting that twist. Oh, gall on that prick! Yeah, I know, right? But this isn't just uh, this isn't just um, this isn't just him. I've I've since heard it from Americans as well. That's so exhausting, and it's free. That's that costs them nothing. That is just free. But you know who you know who's the fracking interests are. 
uh, American Shale Oil and Genie right. Energy, which is Murdoch, Jacob Rothschild, Dick Cheney, James Woolsey. Um, you shared something about this recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's 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 the fracking interests. Like they're the ones that right. do the fracking here. They're fracking uh, in the disputed Syrian territory at the, at the moment, and that's been guarded by UN peacekeeping forces since they started exploring for gas there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but speaking yeah, of Australia and Canavan, et cetera, um, it, it, this then leads to a conversation about groups like Advance Australia, right, well, yeah. who aren't necessarily, like, it's not like they're crazy QAnon conspiracists, um, but their job is just to create content. They're a content farm, basically. Well, I think Advance Australia is, has their fingerprints all over the, the movement. Like their, their memes yeah, are shared by the admins in all the Facebook groups and, and exactly alongside exactly. like Victor- they're just as just as much a part of it as Victoria Forward, which it, I yeah, presume exactly. is just some kind of offshoot of them anyway. And you know, it, I mean, it's hard to articulate it particularly well this late in the night but they, they they all they can all feed off each other you know and they're all like i said before they've all got their shoulder to the same wheel they're all yeah, they've pushing all got the their same little bag. their little niche and then if you look at like yeah, alan they're Jones. Just doing it anyway. so, so so advanced australia will do things that you know anyone can share in any community facebook group for example so that's come up in a few community facebook groups that i'm in whether they're well they also know, have their they have their people that that either started the community group or or are just members of who who, course, yeah. who push the memes or so it's the same as Victoria Forward in, in here. They do the same thing. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, it's a multi-pronged attack. You know, they, they, they'll get the dirty conspiracists down here on Telegram. They'll get the boomers up here on Facebook with Advanced Australia. They'll get everyone else, you know, Matt Canavan or Alex Antic is obviously one of their heroes at the moment. So he'll say it from the Senate floor. Um, and, you know, they just keep on pushing. They all, you know, all, all these talking points all come from, you know, it's it's... I don't want to sound like I'm saying it's all, you know, carefully and centrally and, and, and clinically controlled because it doesn't have to be, you know, like yeah. these ideas spread organically themselves. It is well, possible just also, to drop a few seeds here it, and there. I think it is. <laughs> but I think it's been yeah, more complicated than, be, sure. than that. But I think I think it's very much a case of that you think so so Advanced Australia is basically the IPA. It's the same, it's the same thing. All the whole board of Advanced Australia is people from the IPA. Right. Sure. So so and then that's part of the Atlas Network, which is where the uh, political contextualizations of these narratives have come from in all these countries. So I could speak for the UK and America and Australia. Anyway. I'm not very familiar with the Atlas Network. So it's just like a it's just like a, a network. So the IPA is is part of the Atlas Network, as is like the Institute for Progress and the Taxpayers Alliance. Uh, and there's one in Western Australia as well. I think there's six in total in Australia that are part of the Atlas Network. And it's basically this worldwide network of libertarian think tanks, uh, you know, funded by the same people that fund like the CMP and the Heritage Foundation, like your Koch brothers and and these right-wing dark money types. Yeah. And, and it's, they're used for more sinister stuff. I mean, they're quite active in Venezuela. So like, if you think about all oh, the, Different sabotage that's gone on in Venezuela for control of their of the mining and, and oil rights uh, at the end of the day, and then you look at like the fact that the oil interests uh, who's behind the Atlas Network. I mean, I think they're they're a front for maybe some more sinister things when they need to be, but you know these these think tanks are where 
the political contextualization of these narratives that are spread by people like Sean Stone and Sasha Stone and, and their affiliates are coming from. And then you have Russia coming in and providing, uh, and the roles are sometimes like reversed, but like you have Russia coming in and either providing like a, a, an air of legitimacy through RT, like they did with 5G, or the other way around and them just like promoting people on it, like having um, Sean Stone, you know, have a show and do these, do these uh, little mini documentaries that seem to work hand in hand with like these narratives that are being spread uh, online in all these different groups and stuff. And they're not express, expressively political, but they're, they're all, there's these sort of layered factions that all play different parts but that all the they don't really um they don't really over, over the roles don't really overlap you know what i mean but mm. they're all pieces of the puzzle yeah now i guess the question is whether the broader pieces of the puzzle are connected who knows but when it comes to like the ipa i mean their explicit reason they were set up is to push propaganda to to like anti labor propaganda yeah exactly you know and so that's what they're doing they're using these net whether they're knowingly using these narratives from the Kremlin, you know, to to do it, or if that's just like it's decided that's the conservative talking point and they're just blindly running with it without questioning it. I guess all it would take would be a couple of key organizational figures in like the Atlas network, say. Like, for example, the Atlas network, it seems to me what's happened is like Cambridge Analytica being owned by the same people that fund these think tanks when they've absolved what the Atlas network does is it trains um, activists or, or trains the think tanks to all be on message with each other for the libertarian cause or whatever, whatever it is that they're doing. So I, I'm guessing what's happened is like, they're basically like, here's what you do. You start in all these community groups, you start in all these Facebook groups and you're pushing these memes and this thing. And that's why like you get these weird, like, IPA connected Liberal Party campaigners running these like dictated and Facebook groups, just pushing yeah. out like constant shit memes about Daniel Andrews, but they're all just doing the same. It's just the same message all day, every day, in whatever form. It doesn't matter, just constantly. And that's like, seems to me like that's that's the training that's come from the Atlas Network, and that's in place. But then piggybacking off that, also contextualizing the narrative to suit them is the Russians and is the evangelicals and is these other fringe groups that all seem to play a part. And it does seem like the prayer breakfast is a convergence of all those groups. Which sort of seems incongruous in Australia, really, because it's not such a big part of our political landscape. But um, No, it's weird how prominent evangelicals yeah. have become since Scott Morrison jumped in there. Yeah, a bit louder. But then what's weird is, is like, you look at um, that election after Turnbull um, quit or was booted, I don't, I don't remember, and, uh, and that was, like, Dutton versus Morrison, and Dutton had his little loyalists. Um, there's an article uh, that was written in, like, the, the, like, the Fairfax papers at the time. It's about how people like um, Sukar and... The other people of Dutton's faction, because Dutton runs the far right faction of the Liberals, was like bullying people into voting for Dutton in that election. Right. But then you look at like 
Sakar's office is literally where like Victoria Forward came from, which led to like reignite democracy and, and all this. And they're not necessarily connect. They're competing factions technically, but they're both using different aspects of all this stuff to their advantage, which is then also being piggybacked by the Russians. It's like these same groups are using it, <laughs> but I don't know if they're actually all working towards the same goal or if they're all using the same tools to achieve their own goals. I mean, the goal, the, the goal is almost depressingly simple, really, which is just to fight against progressivism. Well, you know, we have the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> feminism, whether it's you know, rights for, for any other minorities, uh, for you know, an Indigenous voice, whether it's uh, action on climate change, uh, workers' rights, any of this stuff. Um, you know, any of that, just call it part of the globalist agenda and you're done, you know. You're laughing, that, yeah. I, what, did you yeah. watch anything from CPAC recently? <laughs> No, the Australian one? Yeah, it's no. the worst. It's the fucking worst. But, like, they did a um, – so Amanda Stoker was one of the hosts, former really? former host of the National Prayer Breakfast, um, and she <clears> – firstly, <throat> it was bizarre because she did this spiel about Christina Keneally and how it's such a shame that she was booted out of, of Parliament in the last election, but it's like you were also booted out of Parliament in the last election. Like, what are you even talking about? But uh, mm. they basically came up with this thing called the Christina Keneally Cup, which they award to someone each year for I don't even remember why. But they spell cup with a K. So it's like the KKK. And that was like this joke for them. And I thought, like, what a weird joke. Like, are you trying to do this meta joke about, like, how they're always calling you racist, so you're going to do this to, like, stick it to the liberals? But Honestly, it's like, no, you're really just normalising, like, white supremacy. <laughs> Like it's the fucking thing weird. You can do with like when you just when you have the liberty, the the, the freedom of not having any integrity at all. The jokes that yeah. you can make it limitless. Really, you just, just say say anything. Jump. Very <laughs> use that term very. <laughs> the Canelli is a, in the in the Klux clan. Well done. Yeah, yeah, but I don't you, know. It's like they you, weren't you even implying the art of alliteration. Well, they weren't job. even implying that she was in the Ku Klux clan. They were just like just dropping it in there. It was just like they just mentioned like it's cup with a K, and then like. Ha 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 ha! And that's all it takes, and then they just move on. This is the yeah. thing; it's just a static gun approach. It's fucking, it's uh, fucking weird. The whole thing's fucking weird. The whole conference, like, oh, imagine paying, imagine paying to go to that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it's just how depressingly samey it is. Like, they all just get up, and it's the same in America. But they all just get yeah. up, and they all just say the same shit. At least they in America, it's fucking nothing. scary. Like Bannon's and speech is fucking terrifying. There's no the idea. One? It's like Bannon's speech at the American one recently was fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. So telling the army to fucking get ready for battle. But like, there's none of that fucking here. It's just like Nigel Farage. That almost makes the Australian one sadder, you know? <laughs> it was, yeah, exactly. It was very sad. But it was all, the main point was stop the voice to parliament. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to be their next big it absolutely thing. Is. And this is where the sovereign citizens are going to start to shine. I think um, a big a big part of their push is just going to be about unity. They're like, oh, it's going to divide the nation. Well, the only people who are dividing it are the people who are who are against it. Like, if you're not, yeah, if you want exactly. to unify, then let's just do it. Yeah. Well, that's woke. Yeah. Exactly. That's what. That's are you yes. woken up? <laughs> cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up then. Talk of a political dirt unit. It is typical of this government that uh, 
a dirt unit should be operating on me by someone in a ministerial suite in the Howard government. Embarrassing facts uh, or factoids or stories uh, on the coalition and uh, the fact is, uh, as I've said to Margie and the kids, we're going to see a lot more dirt.